Angel. No pocket scare. <laughs> I can hold it. <laughs> can you borrow a belt for Does anybody have a belt? Yeah. Can I? No, see, we had a little problem, malfunction. Thank you. And it's hip. Oh. Thank you, sissy. Okay. Well, now this gives me a chance to visit for just two seconds. Let me just tell you what's so fun. Hi, Karen. What's so very fun is that um, that's my friend I saw yesterday. See, I told you it was one big happy group. See, I, ha- I made a mistake. I wore no belt. So we're going to make this work. Um, this is what's very fun is that, uh, okay, my children fought over my jewelry today. And I will tell you, okay, as you know, we, had, we all wore pearls last week. We wore real pearls. Some of us wore fake. We didn't care, did we? Dre's going to fix me. And um, see, this is why you do college discipleship. You know, Sarah's cleaned, I think, my bathrooms. Shannon's done things for me. Andrea's pulling a belt around my waist right now. These little things. Aaron's done many things. How's that? Is that good? Thanks, pal. This, hey, well, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> better? Really? Yeah. We should have done this this morning. We should have done this this morning. That's right. Anyway, so my kids, I have, this is what they gave me from Charming Charlie's for Mother's Day. And so they march in, and at first I was a little bit alarmed because the pieces of plastic are rather large. And thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. Gary Peterson, ladies and gentlemen. This is the man, and this is what he has to do every week with me. He has taught me to be a pastor because I had no idea all the work that they had to do, really. I mean, I did, but I didn't know, like, message prep-wise. I didn't get all that smack yet to do. So I have to send him my title. So I have to think of a title, which that's kind of hard, you know, a little bit. Got to think of what I call in journalism a teaser or a catchphrase. Hey, this is why you want to listen to this message, you know, kind of a thing. And then I need to send in my notes. He's so patient with me because I'm a non-computer person. And I'm like, I don't know how to format this, but here they are, you know. (laughs) He puts the notes on the Internet. He puts my title on. He does all this stuff. And he lays the audio on the Internet so my girls in Greece and in China and all over the world can listen to this teaching, and many women, I was telling my friend Karen yesterday, a lot of gals who have been like, I can't do a June, July Bible study, but I, I, I need something to do in August to get my mind focused on the Word. And I was like, we got to answer, sister, because you don't, you're not going to join the fellowship necessarily that, we're gonna, that we have going, but that's totally cool because you're really wanting to just be in the Word. So you can download the, the Bible study for free, and you can have audio teaching at the same time. How cool is that? And we teach four times. There are four weeks in August. Rock and roll. But all of that is thanks to Gary and Ethan. So I want to say thank you to those boys. And my friend Lori and her belt. I'm not kidding. What would I have done if you had not worn a belt, Lori? Really and truly. Yeah, I did think about that, and I thought that could look a little bit odd if I tried other places. So about the green jewelry. The kids are fighting over what mommy's going to wear this morning. Um, And Brian had a meeting this morning, so he wasn't there to referee. So Joy wants pink, Ben wants green. And I said, now, guys, I'm gonna talk, Mommy's going to talk about Psalm 51. We've talked a little bit about it. And I said, maybe the green's good because it means growth. That'll be kind of fun. Android's like, no, Mommy, pink, you know. So we kind of go back and forth. Well, Ben wins this turn. Mommy's going to wear pink next time, blah, blah, blah. This is the, be- the funniest thing moment of the morning. I told Rhonda this this morning. 
I always wear neutral tones on my eyes, almost always. Sister saw me with no makeup. Man, I was looking nice yesterday. <laughs> with no ma- I wear neutral tones, almost always. Well, today for fun, because Joy likes makeup and she's my little bunny, I put a little green right around there. She goes, I said, Joy, Joy, come here. And um, uh, I, was, I said it in Chinese. Where's my friend? My Chinese friend. I said, she's not talking about into her in Chinese. She comes and I said, how does this look? And she looks her closely and she goes, I love it. <laughs> And then she runs to the bathroom. I'm not kidding. Ben is in the bathroom, and he's at that age where, stop banging on the door. I was like, what are we, 15? You know, and she, she knocks on the door, and she goes, Ben, it's great news. Mommy's wearing green eyeshadow. <laughs> I thought, you can't write good comedy like that. And they're serious. They're totally serious. And I told Rhonda, it's not like I don't wear deodorant. Hallelujah. She's wearing deodorant or a woman or whatever, you know. So, let me tell you a few things up front. We're going to fly. We're going to fly because this is meaty. Did everybody read Psalm 51 at least once? Did you read it twice? Did you read it three times, lady? No? Of course, Jane did. And um, so, okay, and how did it go? Did you do, try to work through your observations, your interpretations, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, uh, nice work, sister. This is the gold star right there for Miss Sylvia. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to fly, and I'm going to teach a couple of tricks, which I did not even realize God wanted us to move in this direction until I prayed and started to study and started to prepare, is that you know that what has been our, one of our big skills we have learned this summer? Anybody? Observation. Right. We have learned how to observe. For example, how many verses are in Psalm 51? Brittany says 19. Okay. Remember, our, we, that is the skill we have been honing. All summer. Uh, well, all summer. All these last two weeks. <laughs> but that's what we've been trying to learn is how to hone that observational skill. Uh, observation, interpretation, application. Application is what does it mean to me? We have learned the discipline of stepping outside of that realm, not completely seeing ourselves in the text all the time, but seeing what the text actually says in context to Israel at that time. We've learned interpretive questions which say, what does it mean? You know, why did he say green pastures? Remember last week in Psalm 23, different issues like that. And then your application, what does it mean to me? Isn't that fun how we're always last, but we think we're always first? <laughs> well, anyway, so that's where we've been. There's another fun skill that the Lord gave me. I will tell you truthfully, I've told, shared with a couple pals, that this was a challenge for me to prepare. And I will tell you, I told you last week, If you can do Psalm 51, you will walk with the Lord for a lifetime. If you cannot, your spiritual life will stop. You probably thought, what is she talking about? I'll explain today. It was very interesting as I prepared. I couldn't, I felt like it was a visual image. I had like a big thing of jello. Shelly liked this big thing of jello. And I was trying to get my hands around it, hands around it, hands around it to find some flow in Psalm 51. Two days, man. And I was just trying to, trying to, trying. So Brian comes home and I said, honey, any insight on this? What, what's, what's up with this? And he said, I have a th- I was talking to him on the phone. I said, he goes, I have a theory that Psalm 51 is hard in that way. I said, it's so just disjointed. It frustrates me. And he said, my theory is it's because he is so very emotive. You know how you are when you're emotional. You're thinking somewhat clearly. <laughs> Sandy, no, I don't know what you're And uh, somewhat clearly, somewhat rationally, somewhat you need to go to bed. Somewhat, you know, disjointed, da-da-da-da-da, all this stuff. Um, 
And so I kind of pondered that and kind of, I God. What does that mean? Chewed. I chewed on it for a while and I thought, and then even yesterday or two days ago, I was like, the only way for me to understand this text for me personally is to put it in a fantastic skill that I'm going to teach you today called paragraph titles, chapter titles, segment titles. When you got a big meal in front of you, how are you going to cook it? Dish by dish by dish by dish, right? So there are six segments of Psalm 51. It's big, but we're going to do it properly. We're going to read it in context, okay? So you will notice a couple things. I got a lot of prep stuff to tell you is you will notice on your table, hey, this is so dreamy. I did put it on one page. Look on your table. You have a variety of handouts, okay? One is the way I personally, it may be right or wrong. I don't know. (laughs) But the way I I divided Psalm 51, the text, into six pieces that I could get my hands around, okay? David's petition, David offended God, David wants to be clean, David's renewal, uh, rejuvenate, David wants David's response, David's teaching of appropriate sacrifice. That's how I did it. I felt like, man, thank you, Lord. Now I get the flow a little bit better. That's the first piece of paper you have on your table. The second piece of paper is yours to keep. And this is a, this right here, my friends, is a pearl of great price. There's crazy teaching about the Holy Spirit, is there not? Well, there's a lot of things like we could, we could talk about the Holy Spirit for about six hours today. He's a dove, he's a comfort, he's a paraclete, he's this, he's that, he's this. Here's how he worked in the Old Testament, here's how he worked in the New Testament. Tons of stuff that's in this text, as you know from reading it. So, this is for you to study. We will maybe hit it a little bit. I'm going to trust that you're going to look at it on your own, especially because you're only going to absorb it when you're not looking at me, but you're looking at this, right? Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit in salvation, Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers, okay? Old covenant living versus new covenant living with the Holy Spirit. So it was so funny as I was preparing, I was like, oh my gosh, I have six pages. So these things are for you. Okay, everybody make sure you have that. Now, if you, if you were on Facebook or you got my email, what did we call this message today? I loved it. A spiritual facial. And I love it because I don't get facials because I just, I have a hard time, some of my friends know this, I have a hard time kind of like getting facials or pedicures or things done to me because I feel like I need to what, make conversation. Everybody goes, oh, it's so relaxing. I'm like, really? You know, I feel like I need to go, so where are you from? Did you grow up in the church? No. I go to Grace Bible Church. <laughs> Did you think God loves you? You know, I mean, just, and that's good. But I have to kind of, you know, you have to draw lines and boundaries around yourself. And so sometimes I have to tell myself, okay, I've already shared the gospel with this sweet friend. She wants to paint my toes, breathe deeply, and don't talk. <laughs> right? But this, what I, I will tell you, my beauty discovery secret this year at the age of 40 that I dig is exfoliation. Now, ex, so that, that's why I titled it Your Spiritual Facial. This is the knockoff version of oil of a, well, we don't say oil anymore. Did you notice the oil of Olay dropped the word oil? I was like, like we were all tricked. I'm sure oil became uncool. I know who you are, <laughs> Olay, you know. So I, I, I thought, are there really people who don't know, you know, that you were oil of Olay for like 39, 40 years? I mean, come on. Long, 
<laughs> Marianne goes longer than that. I know. Yeah, yes. My daughter uses it. She thinks she needs a moisturizer, too. So all this to say, I decided to save a little cashola. And rather than shell out the whatever it was, 14 bucks for the real cleanser with the glucosamine, which I don't know why I need glucosamine in my face. I know I need it in my joints. But I thought, you know, whatever. I bought the Equate version. So where did I buy it? Wally World. Daily Regenerating Cleanser. Now listen to this description. Very, very interesting for $3.99. Amino peptide complex. Amino acids are very important. Oxygenated derma beads. Now this is what I like. I I don't know who, who made this up, but, you know. Exfoliates and detoxifies, speeding up the natural cell regeneration. Is there evidence for this? Anywhere? And how does one speed up? Like, is that, am I going to wash my face and all of a sudden I look like Anna Joy? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it took off 40 years. No. But I will say, and let's just give props for exfoliation. Since I started doing it, my skin looks better. So yay for that, right? I had a friend. She's a children's minister in Nashville at a church. And she uh, sent me a Facebook, and she goes, I have to tell you, Tris. She goes, I love the word exfoliate. <laughs> It was so funny. The reason why I called this text, and I thought it would make it a little bit lighthearted because it is such an intense piece of scripture, is that I want you to have a spiritual facial today. I want you to have a spiritual facial for the rest of the week. I want you to have a spiritual facial this whole summer. I want you to exfoliate deadness and sin and hidden sins from, what was that from? Psalm 19. Presumptuous sins, high-handed in Hebrew, presumptuous sins, and I want, to, I want you to cleanse yourself from daily sins. Does everybody sin every day? Yes, you do. Everybody not the right answer. Yes. I remember my, one of my children the other day, they said something. They go, but I haven't sinned today. I was like, really? You're the first since Jesus. That's astounding. I'm really amazed. You sin every day. Exfoliate is a great word because it means just take off the nasty, take off the dead. I'm in the thing again. Now, the, when it says rejuvenate, I love that too because I want fresh Baby skin. I, want, I mean, there's something about being clean. Don't you love? I remember being in college on staff of Campus Crusade, and, and we would do all kinds of masks. I mean, like chocolate masks, whatever, you know. But that's, you remember that sense of washing all that stuff off, and you look up, you're like, I mean, it's so clean. It's so clean. And I want your soul to feel like that today. And I want your soul to feel like that throughout the summer as you learn the language of confession and repentance and renewal. We will exfoliate and we going to regenerate. Okay? Now, I'm going to turn you in an early table talk. What? Everybody says, that's different than what we've done before, Tris. The background of this that you must understand. Where's my background? Here. Now, that's all beauty product intro, just so you know. When I write notes, I wrote beauty product intro. The background of this text If you have taken notes, if you have written in your packet, Groovy, um, they, um, that's wonderful. Um, Your background is 2 Samuel 11, chapter 11 and 12. Okay? What we're going to do is I want you guys to turn in groups and just, I don't know if you feel comfortable reading out loud. That's fine if you don't. Skip. If you are one of those people that's like, I'd like to read 10 verses. Well, hallelujah. Do it, you know? Um, Turn in groups, if you would, and I'm going to give you a right of just, you know, five minutes. Second Samuel, 
11 and 12. Marianne Hutto, can I see your book for a minute, sweet pie? Um, see the interpret? Boy, aren't these nice? Don't we have great Bible studies? I mean, look at this. It's like, hello, snappy. Okay, so here's your observation page. See, page 68. You got your observations, page 69, page 70, your interps, right? That very first page with the super cool picture, white as snow, right? Right here in that little gray box, what does it say? 2 Samuel 11 through 12. That is the background, and that's going to set you up for understanding Psalm 51. If you don't read it, I'm convinced you only understand about 30% of Psalm 51. So I'll give you five minutes. If you would, turn in groups and just everybody read like, you know, three or four verses. 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Let's do that for a few minutes. Hey, real quick. Here's a resource I wanted you guys to have if you're interested. Look at how big. Let me just lift this with my arm muscles. I've been trying to work out and it's kind of slow, but you know. It's a... I want to work out like three times and then have these big guns, you know, and just be like, hey, just working out for a little bit, you know, but it doesn't happen that way, except for my husband. So stick still, you know. Anyway, this is, I asked, I, when I was doing the Beth Moore Believing God Bible study, and she had a couple of Hebrew words, I was like, man, I want to know. I, I want to know for myself, what does that Hebrew word say? I want to see all 12 translations of the word. I want to see it, you know. And classic as per my sweetie pie husband who's taking me to a lunch date after this. Is that dreamy? And, um, I know, he is the bestest. Is, um, is, I'm thinking I'm going to get the $7.99 Hebrew handbook. You know what I mean? No, brother buys me the $29.99. And so this comes in Amazon. And I, I mean, my books are my favorite thing. And so here it comes. He goes, guess what that is? I was like, oh, my Hebrew Greek Bible. So this is really cool. It's a New American Standard, which is our favorite translation to use at this church because it's, it's NIV can make some interpretive uh, uh, statements for you so you don't have to figure it out necessarily, which is fine. I was, grew up on an RSV, a Revised Standard Version. I loved it. An NAS is a more direct translation from the Greek. But this is a Hebrew Greek keyword study Bible. And what's really fun is now look, <laughs> this morning I had no bookmark and I said, man, I got to mark the word mercy. And I'd forgotten to do that. That was one thing I forgot. Ben's at breakfast. He and I are up early and he goes, no problem, mom. I'll make you a bookmark. Oh. That's it, baby. Legos bookmark. Anyway, and um, this is a fantastic resource if you're interested. It's the Hebrew Greek Keyword Study Bible, NASB, the New American Standard Bible. And uh, it's great if you're like me and you want to see the color behind a word or you're like, just because Twisty Fisher says it says gracious, that doesn't mean it does. I need to look for myself, you know. But And a lot of times Hebrew is challenging. It, it's not as hard as Mandarin, but it's challenging because they'll have like 10 different uh, words to describe one word. You know, whereas like as I was walking out, Brian, it was really funny because we had this discussion about what the word mercy and gracious meant. And I thought it was one word which we have some friends in the kibbutz in Israel who have, this is the name of the organization. And he goes, I don't think it's that. And I was like, really? So he checks on his computer and he tells it to me and I say it with a Chinese first tone. And he goes, that's, that's, that's not the right way to say it. <laughs> and so anyway, but it was just so funny. But I just, if you're like me and you want, shall we say some, a pep in your step, you want to know a little bit of color, you want to just study, say, two verses this week and really know them and you want to know the Hebrew behind it or the Greek which changes everything. It really does. Fantastic, fantastic resource. So you read 2 Samuel 11 and 12, and you are sick to your stomach and disheartened. Yes? I 
hate, I mean, not hate, but for me, I was telling Val this a minute ago, when I went back through this text again, I remember, I thought to myself, why did I tell Buck I wanted to teach this? (laughs) Is that it is so disheartening. It is so disheartening. It's so wicked. It's so evil. It's so awful. We are women. When women read about adultery, they have a different emotional reaction than men do. Um, It's horrific. And you read that and you go, there's no recovery. There's no recovery. And it's just heartbreaking. So now that you've read that and that sets the stage, let me give you a couple things you may want to jot down. One thing I never saw until this particular set, this particular preparation is just, just if you just glance up at me, tell me what is the major sin David committed in second Samuel 11 and 12. What would you say? Yeah, everybody goes adultery, betrayal, right? Does murder? That's very good. So that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always think adultery. I always think he took Bathsheba and he killed Uriah. Bad, you know. Actually, I have four. David had multiple sin issues. Number one, what's the first thing say in chapter eleven? I don't have it. Can I see your Bible, babe? Chapter 11. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, somebody decided to stay home and take it easy. Little lazy. Got it made. Don't have to work. This Christian life thing is easy. Go to church on Sundays. No problem. In the spring of the year, the time when the kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him. First thing he did wrong. He was not where he should be. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. His first sin, not going to war. His second sin, the Bathsheba relationship. His third sin, which really bugged me for like two days. Deceiving Uriah. That poor dude. Come on up. Tell me how the war's going. So dishonest. So He just tricked this sweet little guy. And then that this guy has enough character to take a nap and sleep away from his own home. How badly did he want to see his lovely wife? What a guy. And then David tries to get him drunk to get him down there. It's like, what are you doing? Deceiving Uriah is the third sin. The fourth sin is ordering and carrying out his death. Nice fancy way of saying murdering him. I don't know, has anybody seen the Veggie Tales? Um, is everybody thinking that? I swear when I was preparing this, I was thinking of King George, the Pie Wars. And then when he says, have him step forward and I want you to step back, you know, for Thomas. And I had a visual picture of that and just, I don't know if you're, I think sometimes very picturesque, like almost like an epic movie. And can't you just see Uriah? You know, he's fighting along for Israel, man. God's chosen people and his king. His king even called him back to say, good job, Uriah. Go back and get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that instant in time when he turns around and he sees everybody back up from him. And then that second before he died, what did he think? Betrayal, do you think? Like, what are they doing? What's happening? Poor man. Just, the, uh, just to picture his mentality. Troubled me. 
Dave has multiple sin issues, not going to war, Bathsheba relationship, deceiving Uriah, ordering and carrying out his death order. The question I ask myself, I have no answer for you. Maybe you can come up with your own answer. But what was the condition of his heart before he chose to not go to war? You never, you never fall into presumptuous sin overnight, right? We talked about that, what, two weeks ago in Psalm 19? Cleanse me from hidden faults. I can't see them. They're hidden, Lord, and I don't want them to be presumptuous sins, high-handed sins. Get them out of there. Weed that nasty greed out of my heart, that materialism, that lust, that vanity. Take it away. I don't want it to destroy my life. What was the condition of David's heart before he chose not to go to war? Brian and I were talking about this because we, we love to talk through the text before he teaches a text and before I do one. We, we, just, we just jazz on that. It's really fun. And he said, very interesting thing, he said he was lazy. He got to a point where he was lazy spiritually. I mean, this is, and I thought this morning, I thought this was kind of funny. This is 2 Samuel. <laughs> this is in 1 Samuel. It was like, I'm the king. Holy cow. <laughs> you know, I need the Lord. His need for God, perhaps had lessened. He knows what he's doing. He's the king. They're winning all the battles. He's got his wives. He's good to go. He's settled. He's secure. Have you ever felt like that? Everything's cool, Lord. I'm a Christian. I kind of know what I'm doing. You know, I think the word is pride, <laughs> but I could be wrong. I think he's probably proud. I think he's probably lazy. And that set him up to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Walking down an unsafe path. Remember we talked last week about ruts versus routes? This is not a route of righteousness. This is a rut of wickedness. My favorite, one of my favorite parts in soul text is because Nathan does not bend down for anybody. Jeremiah got put, what, in a well. A couple guys got killed. Think about the lives of Jeremiah, Ezra, Isaiah, all these guys. If a king didn't like what you said... Right? Or something fun like being put down a dark well and not having any food. They didn't like your message. They'd, they'd do something to you that was mean. Nathan is fearless. I think this is why people name their kid Nathan, because it's a great name. Nathan tells David the story. I love David's response. I saw it for the first time this time. David, you could just see him. David, again, thinking he's like in a cool place. He's good to go. And I'm like, do you not know you committed adultery and murder? I guess not. I guess he thinks that's part of the job or something. I don't know. So he's just chilling, sitting back, listening to Nathan's story. And then he's just shocked by the evil he hears. <gasps> Such hypocrisy. It's like, bro, are you serious? But that's what happens when you don't live right on the cusp of the gospel and the cusp of the Savior and listen to conviction. After Nathan tells David's story, David's response, the man in the story should die. Literally in Hebrew, the son of death. That guy should die. <laughs> that's how I'd solve it. And then my favorite thing, I don't, don't know why he says this. That man should die, and he had no compassion. And it was like, why does he separate those two things? It's fascinating to me. You know, because that's the very thing that Nathan is saying in the story. The guy had no compassion. He took his little tiny baby you that he delighted in like a daughter, ate from his hand, executed it. And David's like, man, I wouldn't stand for that. And then my favorite, the drama of this moment. Can you picture it? And again, we don't want to go veggie tales, but you know. 
He goes, you are the man. At that immediate moment, David could have said, take him away and kill him. Execute him. Hats off to David that he didn't do that. What transpired in that instant in time, I have no idea. But he chose not to kill Nathan. He chose not to punish him. He chose to listen to him. Look at the last verse. says, so Nathan went home. <laughs> at the end of verse 12. And I was like, what's Nathan thinking as he's walking home with a stick? You know, going, ah. <laughs> we're all going to die now. You know, Israel's under punishment. Nathan's confrontation. God's judgment. And this is not the fun part. Bottom line is, when you sin, uh, let, let, we're under the Old Covenant. Still think Mosaic, still think Davidic, okay? Sins have consequences, don't they? They do. Sometimes you may not see them, but they have consequences. God's covering over. Remember when David says, when David finally, I mean, I can just picture him just going, getting it, perhaps tearing his clothes, falling on his face, And Nathan says, don't worry about it. God's passed over your sin. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But these are the consequences. I only thought there were two. I should not drink an inch or plus before I speak. I thought there were only two, but actually there are three. Number one, the child dies. The child that Bathsheba conceives dies. Won't it be interesting to meet that baby in heaven? Number two, this makes me sick. This is the makes me sick section. Title that, if you'd like. Amnon and Tamar, the incestuous rape of his half-sister. When Amnon decides that he can't live without his half-sister, because David has multiple wives, which is not part of God's original perfect plan, his permissive plan. They've become like other cultures. They wanted a king. They want a lot of wives. God, in spite of them, loves them and blesses them and keeps them. Amnon, with some really good advice from a great friend, says, raper. And he does. And the picture of Tamar coming out of that chamber, she's wearing virginal robes, remember, because this is Hebrew culture. She walks out of the chamber and she rips off her sleeves. This is considered way too much exposure in the Hebrew culture, even now to some degree. She rips her sleeves, she pours ashes on her head, and she is wailing and screaming because her virginity is her greatest prize. And her half-brother took it from her. And so immediately Absalom is on the scene because he's the big brother, right? He's going to take him out. And he said, did Amnon do this to you? How did he know that it was Amnon? That's what I want to know. Did Amnon do this to you? And what started happening in Absalom's heart? I'm going to get him back, man. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to kill him for doing this to my sister. We begin to see the seeds of evil, the seeds of sin. The child dies, the incestuous relationship of the half-siblings, uh, Amnon and Tamar. And then third, and sadly, this, Benjamin loves the life of David, and Absalom breaks his heart. Absalom's revolt. The picture when you read in any child's Bible, in any Bible, of Absalom secretly sneaking around like a snake and going, you know, my dad's too busy to deal with your issue, but I'm not. You know, I mean, he just strikes me. He's the best looking. Do you remember this? He's great looking. He's real godly. He's a son. Actually, he's a son of a concubine, not a son of a princess. He's a son of a concubine. He's all smooth and cool, and he's a prince of, I mean, he's just a prince of Israel. And so he's behind his daddy's back. He is cultivating 
or as Brian and I would say, campaigning for people to think well of him. He knows what he's doing. He's got a lot. Remember, when he meets with Joab later on, he says, our plans are, are laid. Our plans are set from the beginning. I think even before uh, Tamar raped, I mean, uh, Amnon raped Tamar. He was already thinking, I am not next in line for this throne. It's been promised to Solomon, but I'm going to take it. So there's evil brewing. And then when David has this relationship with Bathsheba, God says, these are your consequences. Evil will come from within your own house. The sword raises up, the sword takes out, and then I hate it. I, I can't even write it, so for me, I title it Absalom's Revolt and the Disgracing of David's Wives. I can't even go there. The Disgracing of David's Wives in broad daylight. What you tried to do in the dark, Mr. Sneaky, it's going to come back to you in the light. What did Jesus Christ say that was similar to that? The things that were in the dark will be brought to the light. Nothing is hidden from the Father of lights, is it? You may think you've got a little... I loved how uh, that one week we talked about sin, and Amanda said, hey, it's like it's fashionable. We petted. It's okay to be greedy. It's okay to be a materialist. It's okay to be a gossip. Shh, it's okay, girl. That's nothing. Just don't kill anybody. But you can be a gossip. You can be this. Any sin that is hidden will be brought to light, if not now, in the kingdom. So I'd like to deal with it now. I don't know about y'all. I'd like to confess it now and get rid of it. All of these things are a result of David's bad, not decision, as I would have put it before, but his decisions, right? If you would like to think in your mind, perhaps someday you'll teach this text. I want you to jot down on your paper somewhere, however you would like to. This is your extra, extra. Two major sections to know to understand Psalm 51. 2 Samuel 11, verses 4, 8, and 15. And 2 Samuel 12, 11 through 14. Would you like to hear that again? 2 Samuel 11, 4, 8, and 15. 2 Samuel 12, 11 through 14. And as you can see, look at what I'm doing with this. I'm putting it down because we're done with that. Praise the Lord, huh? The sin of David, the graveness of it, the wickedness, the evil, the King David did that? Now, if you would pick up my rewrite of Psalm 51 that you have on your table, okay? Put it in front of you. If tonight you would like, you can transfer. If you're, I have like three calendars, which I learned that was bad. So now I have one. But many of us, oops, many of us marked up Psalm 51 with all of our observations, right? If you want to, you don't have to, you can do whatever you'd like. But if you're like me, you had a hard time getting your hands around this text, then you can go ahead and use this, since it's already been grouped for you, and put your uh, observations, your colored pencils, your highlights, yada, 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 on these two papers. It might be a little bit easier for you. This is a challenging psalm because it's obviously in Hebrew, and it's a lament psalm. Lament psalms typically are harder. They don't flow in the same way. Try the book of Lamentations. Try Jeremiah. <laughs> None of that stuff seems, seems like it flows in that way. I needed to get my hands around this text. So I'm going to read to you from what my, I did my paragraph titles. Let me explain real quickly what a paragraph title is or a chapter title. 
Sometimes in scripture, um, there are different skills as you've been learning, observation, interpretation, application we've talked about. There's a fantabulous one. There's your word for the day. Fantabulous one called paragraph titles, uh, chapter titles, segment titles, um, groupings, I've seen it said before. Sometimes that helps for you to learn it. You know, I don't know about you, but if I was going to memorize this straight through, I don't, I don't think I could make it. <laughs> I would jumble words or perhaps not get the flow as well. I need it in bite-sized chunks. So there's six of them, six separate thoughts, chunks to get your hands around. And this is how I did it. If, you know what's fun? If you want to practice this skill, you could practice it this fall or this summer on a New Testament book. Try Ephesians. Try Philippians. It's awesome. It's awesome. I think it's one of the greatest things to have in your weaponry. Not only do you know how to observe, interpret, and apply, you know how to do paragraph titles. You know how to do chapter titles. Okay? Psalm 51, the text, I purposely don't number it for myself because, hey, they didn't number it in Hebrew. (laughs) We added that later. It's Psalm 51, text, point one. You've got it in front of you, I think. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, you do. Oh, good. I was like, I can't think because mine's dark and yours is light. Now that I've turned 40, this thing, I just said, Brian, we've, we've been talking about it. He woke up, literally woke up one morning. And he goes, I go, hey, look at this. And he goes, okay. <laughs> I was like, man, that's bad news bears for you, Brian. I'm still 40. You're 44. And uh, then all of a sudden, I was reading the book. Jeannie told me, she goes, you know what they say? The first thing that happens when your eyes are kind of starting to go is you need more light. And I was like fooey. I have to have more light to read to my kids. I'm like, hold on, kids. And then Laura Ingalls said, you know, I mean, I just can't. So anyway, so now, I, but I found myself looking at this yesterday. And I was going, I need it like out here really to see it. And it's in bold. I mean, look at Charles. This is like, hi, I'm 29 and I have great eyes. Hey, you're 40 and you don't, you know? Okay. David's petition is how I, I title segment one. Be gracious to me, O God. Some texts say be merciful. Be gracious to me, O God, according to, or if you would like to write next to it, because of. According to your loving kindness. According to, or because of, the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. That's David's petition. Two, David ultimately offends God. Does he... Sin against Bathsheba, yes. Uriah, yes. To some degree, Joab, by involving Joab in a sinful thing, yes. Does he deceive Israel? Yes. But who does he ultimately offend, just like any sin issue? The Lord. How many times has somebody told you, that girl does not have an issue with you, she has an issue with the Lord? (laughs) Right? David ultimately offended God. Very clearly here. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are blameless when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. We'll talk about that in a minute. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part you make me know wisdom. Part three, David wants to be clean or as I said, what do you think I wrote there? Oh yeah, take off that dead smack. Purify me, one of my very favorite words in the Old Testament because I pray it all the time. Purify me with hyssop. We'll talk about hyssop in a minute too. And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Make, the, make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Does he say part of them? All. He knows there's more than one. Your next page, part four. David wants renewal or, I don't think I spelled it right, rejuvenate. It was so funny. It's like, I was like this Joe Spelling champion girl. And I, this one I was going, that's not right, but I don't know why. Uh, you, you get the idea. He wants a fresh face. He wants a fresh face. He wants a clean heart. David wants renewal. Create. Create. Only God can. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. We're going to talk about that in a sec. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. I pray that constantly. Five, David's response. And this this opened up a whole new can of arms for me. I was like, whoa. Then I will teach transgressors their ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. O Lord, open my lips that I may declare your praise. Sounds like a changed guy. Point six, the last point, David's teaching of appropriate sacrifice. I learned this two days ago. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit. This is in Isaiah too, isn't it? A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, not pretend. In burnt offerings and whole burnt offering, then young bulls will be offered on your altar. Does it make sense why I pieced it in six sections? Is it a little bit easier to get your hands around it now? I pray so. I pray so. It helped me a ton to understand. Now, um, I don't know how you feel about reading 2 Samuel 11 and 12 and then seeing David talk about, and then I'm going to help everybody else not sin. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, there's a lot of emotional reaction for the reader here. I thought to myself, when I read the personalness of this psalm, I believe him. I believe he truly repented. I believe him that he saw his sin for what it was. If you would like to, take a highlighter perhaps. I see a highlighter on this table. A pencil, whatever. And I want you to go, we're going to take a quick table time or restroom break. And I want you to do this. I do not know if I printed it up for you. I did for me, I think. But has anybody noticed, we talked about English last week, but notice how many times the understood subject in this is who? You, God, yeah. You, God, be gracious to me. You, God, blot out my sin. Have you noticed that they are underlined so trickily? (laughs) That's a word in English, I'm sure. You, be gracious to me. You, blot out. You, wash me. You, cleanse me. Pop down three. You, purify. You, wash. You, make. You, let. You, hide. You, blot. This is exceedingly personal. This is exceeding, this is between David and God. It's in, an, in a wild western, <laughs> he and the Lord only. 
David recognizes he cannot rule a people of 8 million people if he does not have the Lord. He gets it. He's broken. So if you turn in your table talk, what I'd love for you to do, circle those, and we're going to call them power words like we did last week. I want you to circle them because I want you to see the, the way they're in act, like they're active. They're active. He's praying actively. He's praying present tense. Wash, make, let, the next, renew. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Restore. So take about two minutes and just put, if you'd like to put you, sometimes I put uh, the, the symbol for, um, can I borrow your pen, honey? Or uh, maybe a pen a second. Is, uh, this is a symbol for God in Greek, right? Sometimes if I don't have time because I have small children, I, if I'm studying the word in like 32 seconds or less, this is a symbol for God. This is a symbol for Christ. So sometimes when I'm doing stuff like this, I might put in parentheses this. So when I'm reading the thing, I say to myself, I would put it, say, theta, be gracious. I would put that in front of, be gracious to me, O God. So it says literally, the com- it's, a, it, it's a, almost like a command to God. God, be gracious to me, O God. God, purify me with hyssop. God, da 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 da. So you can, I mean, if you have, if you want to write the word God, you can. If you want to use that, that's fine. But the point is, I think it helps understand the personalness of David in a face off and a face down, right? With God. Let's take two minutes and do that. Hey, you guys ready? Could you believe how many power words were in this text? Where's mine? <laughs> I absolutely, thank you, Hank. They, um, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it because I like the personalness of our God. I like it that when he deals with sin, he doesn't deal with the nation of the United States of America or Grace Bible Church. He deals with Tristy. <laughs> I have to draw a circle around myself if I want revival, don't I? Revive me first so I can encourage and revive others. It's all about you and the Lord. It's so stinking easy to blame everybody for everything. Bad home life, bad childhood, bad men, bad kids, taxes, no job, da 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 The bottom line is, it's between you and the Lord. And this is the greatest psalm to show you that. Your power words, they were underlined. Uh, God be gracious to me, O oh God. God blot out. God wash. God cleanse. And then my favorite part, once we've, wor- once we've worked through the asking for forgiveness... I just, my heart just soars when I think about renewal and when I think about now let's move, let's change, let's be made new because that's all, I mean, God wants to renew constantly. He wants to forgive constantly if we will obey and have a soft heart and be broken and repent. David wants to be clean, exfoliate, purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let I've prayed this in a bathroom at a conference. I wasn't doing anything in the bathroom. I was sitting on the floor. Let the bones which I had gone through a severe trial. Let the bones which you have broken, Lord. You allowed this in my life. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Make me hear joy and gladness. I don't know how many times I've prayed. Section four. Created me, which is your memory verse. Oops, gave it away. Created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew, make again a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Anybody pray this now? I pray it all the time. May I tell you some very interesting things about this, if you are interested in randomness as I am. 
In the uh, Eastern Orthodox Church, a priest prays this every day. I love that. I love that because every day I have sin that I have to deal with, and not just because I'm a mother. (laughs) But I have sin I have to deal with every day. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, the priest prays it every day. It's part of a a Catholic liturgical ceremony that happens once a year. Different. I love the fact that the old church took Psalm 51 as part of their services. They didn't assume you were clean. (laughs) They didn't assume that, oh, you're good, happy, smiley Jesus, you know. They assume we are human and we need the Lord to forgive us. I love this quote by Matthew Henry. He said, David asks not to be comforted until he is cleansed. Whoa. And her vow's eyes popped because she loves good quotes like me. Matthew Henry in his commentary on Psalm 51. If you want to hear it, I'll say it again. He, implying David, asks not to be comforted until he is cleansed. You know what? I sure hope I do that. Do you want to feel better before you are better? (laughs) I do sometimes. Comfort me, but I don't want to change. Help help me through the situation, but I'm right. Right? Matthew Henry, David asks not to be comforted until he is cleansed. Little quick side note here that I think is absolutely imperative for us to understand is when you are under conviction, I mean, maybe two words, guilt and conviction. Are you ready? Guilt is from the enemy. It's general. It's not specific. It's you're a bad person. How dare you come to Bible study? You're a bad wife. You're, remember that sin you had when you were 11? Remember what you did when you were 29? You're bad. You're disappointment to God. It's very general. Remember we talked about the enemy quite a bit last two weeks. In fact, he speaks first person. Guilt from the pit. Conviction. From the Lord. Why? Because it's specific. If I go and punch Andrea in the face right now, boom, the Spirit says, you should not have punched Andrea in the face. And then the next question, why did you punch Andrea in the face? Do you know what I'm saying? The Spirit is very specific. A fantastic exercise, sorry, this was a great vital Navy, but the sleeve's making me nuts, is that a great exercise, if you do not do it now, is um, at night much like the old saints did, they would pray before they go to bed and they would say, Lord, reveal, reveal, reveal. What is the true state of my heart that I can't see? Oh my goodness, at noon, I had an angry spirit. Man, I was, I was so short with so-and-so. You know, I was so anxious all morning. Um, I saw a girl who was prettier than me and I thought, man... I was jealous of her. Um, I didn't want to serve my husband. Hey, hey, I've been working all day, man. (laughs) Right? Ask the Lord at night to reveal hidden sin, and it won't become a (coughs) presumptuous sin. Right? Guilt, general, nonspecific, from the enemy. I meet a billion, jillion people every day who tell me, I'm struggling with guilt. And we have to go all the way back to the proper definition of this. It will be the key to your success and your growth as a believer if you understand how to listen to the Spirit of God and test it. Okay, am I gent? Like, like there are times, many of us can say, there are times I'll be doing the dishes, doing anything, and all of a sudden I'll just feel guilty. I'll go, what do you feel guilty about? Or that general, 
you know, just sense of something. And it's like, I think I'm entering into spiritual warfare. And then there's times when I'm doing the dishes and the Lord says, you should have said that to Brian like that. <laughs> Oops. Lord, Brian, will you forgive me? Thank you. Lord, will you forgive me? Yes. And we teach our children in order, ask the Lord first and the person second. That is conviction and that is repentance within the individual. Gave you Matthew Henry. Now let me give you my, another favorite thing. When we were in Israel, coolest thing ever is there was this gal, and she was a transplant from New York City, so she talked like this, like half my family does from the East Coast. They talk fast, and they talk like this, and they drink lots of coffee. They think, Trista, you're too skinny. Eat some more. You know, the whole nine yards. So she's a transplant from New York City. She moved to Israel, as many Jews do who are Orthodox, because they want to be there in the promised land when the Messiah comes, right? So we took a tour of uh, what's called the Biblical Gardens, and it was really cool, really hot, It was really cool. We stopped by this one shrub. (laughs) Because there's not a lot of, I mean, there's trees and there's stuff like that, but there's just a lot of shrubs and stuff on the ground, you know. Like we were talking about the sheep with poisonous grasses. I mean, it's not not Colorado. (laughs) So there's a plant probably this big, big old mama John. Silvery gray leaves, and my friend Anna, formerly Anna Gilkerson, now she's married with another name. I can't remember. It starts with an L. But so she gets in it. And has us take our picture, her picture because the lady says, this is hyssop. And we're all like, dude, because I'm with 22 college students. Dude, <laughs> which is translated, wow, <laughs> cool, oh my heavens, God is real, however you want to translate. Anyway, and so what was really neat is she goes, everybody take a leaf. We all took a leaf, and she goes, rub it really, like this. She goes, smell your fingers. She said, what does it smell like? And I was like, oh, my favorite, one of my favorite herbs to cook with, oregano. It's oregano. It's like a modern-day oregano. Hyssop is oregano. If you're like me, I cook two foods. I only am dangerous, like, like, like dangerous, like daring, in two categories, Italian food and Thai food. I like to step on up and put a little ginger and garlic in there, you know. Everything else, I'm, a bad, I'm not a good cook. You know, I have my 10 meals I make all the time. Well, a little bit of fenugreek, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not daring in anything, but I love to cook Italian food, and I feel confident in it, and I love it. Man, I dig oregano, baby. I dig basil, but oregano has a new meaning since the year 2000, since I looked at it and smelled it in Israel. So when you cook with oregano, you think about, man, that's hyssop. Now, this is the best part of all of this. Hyssop was what was required in Levitical and Mosaic law to cleanse whom? Lepers. Lepers. Who were the, the lowest people on the totem pole in Israel? Lepers. Get them out of the camp. They have to live away from us. They cannot go to the temple and worship. The priest cannot even offer sacrifice for them. Can you imagine? I, if I'm a Jew living in the Old Testament days but it, before Christ came, I can at least go and buy two turtle doves and have some of my sins sacrificed for and be atoned for, be covered over. The lepers have nothing. Removed from the camp, removed from the nation of Israel. You out. And maybe it's because of your sin. That's why you got leprosy. Horrid. Horrible situation. So now look back at your text. How does that change what David says? Hmm. Purify you, understood subject God. You purify me with hyssop because I'm a leper. Do you think he gets the severity of his sin? 
That's the biggest deal on part three. David is truly repentant. He truly wants renewal. This isn't fake. This isn't, hey, I want some of your blessings, God, so I'll play your game and go to church, and I'll be a good girl so I can get what I want. This is a true, honest, genuine repentance. He calls himself a leper. Man. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Is that even possible? In the book of Revelation, it is, right? Make me hear joy and gladness with the bones which you have broken. He knows that the consequences are coming. Rejoice. The Catholic Church calls hyssop detergent. I thought that was beautiful. It has detergent properties. I was like, well, that's a whole loop spin on it. I haven't thought of that. A cleansing Italian meal. <laughs> kind of a detox, really, with all the pasta and cheese and all that stuff in there. Let's look at the two big, we have only two things left, and then we're going to do application. Man, I'm lo- I, have I ever, ever done things on time? Girls, no. <laughs> and we're rocking out. This is great. Two major doctrinal issues in this text. You've already seen them, haven't you? What, Tristy, in the wide world of sports does it mean when it says, verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In the NIV, it says, sinful from birth. And in sin, my mother conceived me. What do you think it means? Anyone? Born sinners, Jane Battle says. The Adamic fall, Marianne says. Yep. The original sin. Thank you, Miss Pam. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. What, honey? Total depravity. Yep. We got a little Catholic Calvinism going down here. All right. I like it. Y'all know so much here. Hey, look, my thing's kind of... Oh, I'm keeping this belt on, though. Yeah. Anything else? Do you send it every day? Yes. This is a great thing to understand about sin. Boy, we're talking about sin kind of a lot today, aren't we? Is when it says, uh, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. You ladies nailed it on your head. You are born a sinner. Do you know how many people I share the gospel with that tell me, well, I was born a Christian. And I was like, really? Is your name John the Baptist? <laughs> I'm not familiar with this, you know? Seriously. And in different countries that we've traveled to and shared the gospel, I remember two sweet little girls. They're probably about 15, 14, 15. And they're sitting on either side of me. I've got my, in another language, four spiritual laws. I'm like, la, la, la. And I don't speak this particular language. And so I'm trying to read it. And I've already called Brian my wife in this language, which was incorrect. So I had to get him. He speaks this language fluently, so I had to get him to come on over here. But there is a a church that typically will teach. Well, actually, there are two or three churches that teach. If a baby is born under the covenant, if a baby is baptized at birth, yada, yada, yada. Yay, universalism. You're born a Christian. Rock on. So these two little girls, I said, law one, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Law two. But all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. And then I get to my, uh, law three, Jesus died for your sins. Law four, do you want to receive him right now? He's waiting for you right now, girl. You know, they're having, we're having so much fun, da, 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 da. I look at the little chair and I said, which circle is a person born into? Because one has the person outside the cross circle, the one inside, and they go, that one. And I was like, oh, 15 minutes of reading, man. We got to go back to law two. <laughs> It's like, actually, we go back, all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. I said, have you sinned? And they go, no, because I've already asked a confession for it. So, well, let's look at the Bible. <laughs> so we look at the Bible and we understand that sin, you are born dead a sinner. Because of Adam's choice, last night Benjamin said, man, I can't wait to talk to him when I get to heaven. <laughs> and I said, me too. I want to punch Eve in the mouth. Because because of her, I had 12 hours of hard labor. You know? <laughs> so, But I would have made the same choice, right? The Adamic fall, the original sin, however you want to say it, you were born dead, dead, lifeless, because of Adam and Eve's choice. And God says, if you eat, you will die. You is plural. It's a physical death. It's a spiritual death. There's the chasm. And then who crosses that chasm on a wooden cross? Jesus. I love it that God in his sovereignty knew when he was walking around the garden. He's like, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He knew what they had done. And Jesus was just watching this whole thing, waiting. He's, Jesus is God, so he knows what's going down, too. And he's thinking, when do I show up? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The Adamic fall. You were born a sinner. If you read the book of Romans, Paul, as a, a lot of people, he was a, it's a legal treatise, however you want to call it. It's a, an extremely legal work because it's, I think it's non-emotive. It's not quite as descriptive. If you want to understand how a person is born a sinner and how we struggle with sin currently, you need to know the book of Romans, specifically Romans 6 through 8. Romans 5 will explain the Adamic fall. 6 through 8 is us now, right? 6 through 8 is your friends who are Christians who tell you that they're Christians, and they may be, but they struggle. That's, that, I don't know how many times I prayed directly out of Romans 7 when Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then I pray by faith, chapter 8. The Adamic fall, beautiful. That's what that means, literally. He understands the fall. He understands Mosaic law. He understands soon to be called Davidic law, born a sinner. That's your first doctrinal issue. We're going to have one more doctrinal issue, and you have it in front of you, the Holy Spirit. And I have a friend who used to say, the Holy Spirit is not just the guy on the left. For me, this is important because I went to a certain denominational church, and I would go to the Father, the Son, and the who? Oh, yeah, the guy on the left. I never knew who he was. I never knew who he was. And then some people called him a ghost, and I was like, huh? I'm scared of him. So you have this in front of you. I think I have. Do I have yours, honey? Okay, you have it. Now, really quickly, I'm not going to forget. Y'all are going to be so proud of me. My table right here. Let me give you my email address. Please put it at the top of your page. Let me give you. I actually didn't ask her yet, so I'll just I'll give you mine first. Um, it's Tristy F T R I S T I E F as in Fisher at Juno.com. Now, if you have theological questions about the Holy Spirit, I want you to email me. Okay, because I'm only going to touch on it because we're going to touch on it, address it a little bit. You have a handout to personally study on your own, which I want you to do. Okay, to understand the difference between the Holy Spirit's actions in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit's actions in the New Testament. If you have further questions, you can email me. No problem. I'd love it. I've got tons of literature for you. I can we can talk all through the doctrine of the spirit. That's fantastic. It's called pneumatology. If you want to know the big technical name, a fantastic book. I told Brian today, I'm, I'm going to make a book list for these ladies. Ryrie Survey. Andrea's read it. Many of my girls have read it. I've taken them through it. 
Ryrie's, uh, is it Doctrine Survey? Ryrie's Survey of Doctrine. Ryrie's Survey of Doctrine, R-Y-R-I-E. Survey of Doctrine, fantabulous. Every person in America should know this book if you're a Christian. There's a chapter on pneumatology, which means the Holy Spirit. It's fantastic, fantastic, by Charles Ryrie, R-Y-R-I-E, Ryrie Survey. It's a classic. It's a top 10 book for me. Very quickly, let's talk Holy Spirit, and then we're going to talk, move into our plans for renewal. We've exfoliated. Now let's moisturize. Okay, the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant. What do you know about the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant, uh, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the Davidic and Mosaic Covenant? What do you know about the Spirit? <clears throat> Temporal. What, babe? Okay. Not that. Hey, let's pray. She said, came and left. That's it. That's right. He came and left, right? Even Saul, the wicked king. Saul, he's just walking down the road, and all of a sudden he's like, dun, dun, dun. I mean, he's dancing in praise. And people are like, what happened to him? Well, the Spirit came on him. The Spirit came upon people for a specific purpose. Specific, perhaps, miracle, specific purpose, specific action. Let me ask you this. Could the Spirit live inside a person in the Old Testament? No. Why? What do you say, Dre? Shoes. <clears throat> what, honey? Well, it couldn't be indwelling yet. Exactly. He could not be indwelling yet because? Because Jesus hadn't been born. In the Old Testament, your sins were, at- were atoned for how? Sacrifice. That's why the writer of Hebrews, who I think is Apollos, by the way, (laughs) but uh, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away your sin, right? Literally, Amanda's sin, she goes to the temple certain times of the year. She celebrates feasts, she celebrates festivals, she goes to the festival of the booths, she does everything. Once a year, she and her husband come up. They offer certain animals for certain sin issues. The priest goes in, the one who drew the lot, once in his lifetime. Only once in his lifetime. He goes in, he offers the incense, he slays the animal on behalf of Amanda and Dusty. Boom. And then the very end of the whole procession, he brings forth the goat. And he takes some of that blood and he puts it on top of the goat's head. At, and guess what? This is where we get the word? Scapegoat. scapegoat. That's where we get the word scapegoat. And what do they do? Shoo him out to the wilderness. What's the symbolism? Bye bye sin. Yeah, your sin's been, quote, taken away. I love this, that God does a humongous foreshadowing in the Old Testament of what Jesus Christ is going to do in the new. Now, are Amanda's sins forgiven or are they just taken away? Or are they both? A question to ponder. Let me take you to the next step. She may have offered a, a sacrifice for forgiveness, uh, Is she living in a life of fullness with the Spirit living inside of her, empowering her to make decisions? Power to raise people from the dead, the whole nine yards? No, because Jesus Christ had not come yet, right? It's fascinating to me. I love church history. Fascinating that when the temple was destroyed and what's called temple worship was destroyed, very interesting, it's within 100 years of Jesus coming and going. So Jesus Christ lives inside of me now. The disciples were like, we don't want you to go. We don't want you to go. And he's like, it's better. Believe me. You can't see it. You can't get it. Because you've lived under a Judaistic 
Mosaic law all of your life, and I know you don't get it, but you will. But you will. I can't live inside of you in the form of a six-foot man. And I'm going to send a comforter, a paraclete. I'm going to send my spirit. And he's going to convict the world. He's going to draw. He's going to renew. He's going to enable. He's going to raise from the dead. Get ready. He's part of the Godhead, the triune God, as our children say. Remember? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My kids go, three gods, one person, or some little rap thing they used to have. Look at your, uh, see, this is how we teach in the Fisher household. Work of the Holy Spirit. Does that clarify a little bit? If you want to memorize a verse for why the Spirit lives in you now, if you are a believer, it's Ephesians chapter 1. My favorite. I love it. He is, I, I have a, da- literally in Greek, I have a down payment. The Spirit is given and sealed me. I have a down payment that, he, that I, I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus as the only source of salvation. I've received his forgiveness. I've accepted the free gift. And the Spirit lives in me. And I know that he does <laughs> because I know he convicts me. But also because God's word promised it. Even if I don't feel the Spirit today. I choose to believe God's word by faith. In the Old Testament, in salvation, we talked to Tad about that, and in the lives of believers. Look at all the stuff he does for you. Would you? Indwells, fills, sanctifies, empowers, comforts, intercedes, love, it pours out the love of God in our hearts. One of my favorite verses. Gives us hope, reveals, illuminates, empowers, and restrains, a big one for now, restrains sin in the world. Can you imagine if there was no Holy Spirit living inside believers right now? Makes Sodom and Gomorrah look like Disneyland, right? Your two doctrinal portions in Psalm 51, tell them to me again. One was what? Adamic sin, your original sin, born in uh, total depravity, as Calvin would say. Your second doctrinal issue is? Okay, can I sing this song theologically? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me right now. No, who lives inside of me right now, all day, every day, till I die? The Holy Spirit. Very good. Good job. I wrote in my notes, give them Holy Spirit material. Now, here's your application. You have two. I cannot, y'all, I never end on time. This is like 10 years ago, this just would never have happened. Your application is two. One is, uh, is everybody familiar with the little cute prayer acronym, ACTS, ACTS? We're going to change it because you know what? I don't pray that way. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't adore God before I confess. So we're going to cast. And I don't mean cast sheep from last week. We're going to cast confession. Yeah. Confession, adoration. Paul tells me in Philippians to offer thanksgiving with supplication, so we'll obey him and do it in his order. <laughs> I, I tried cats, and that's not going to work because theologically it's not going to work. <laughs> Fam like that. Cast, confession, adoration, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let me tell you what these words mean. I think we toss around the, these words and we don't know what, what it means. Confession to, means to agree with God. Remember... As you're driving home today or whenever, you're going to have a moment of specific conviction. When you said that to so-and-so, that was sin. Oops. What do you do? Let me teach you my language and the language I taught my girls. Father, that was sin. Ugh. 
gag. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for that sin. Cleanse me, forgive me, make me new. Remind me when I get home to call that person and ask forgiveness. <laughs> and then I'm going to pray before I call them because I'm a wimp and I'm scared and I'm afraid to admit I was wrong. Fill me with your spirit to be brave and ask forgiveness. It is a language that you learn. You have to practice this. This is what I meant when I said, if you don't do Psalm 51, you won't make it to the end. The finish line in Hebrews. You're not. Because your heart's going to grow hard. You're going to become bitter. You're going to become resentful. Everybody owes you. You got a bad break from God. Remember, once you stop growing, once you are hard and all that stuff enters in, and you're done confessing to God and done confessing one to another, you are finished. You can't grow anymore because you can't hear him. can't hear him. Confess. Agree. Yeah. That was right. I, that was wrong. I should have done that, Lord. Adore him. How I adore him is I say thank you. I shouldn't have said this to Betty. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you love me anyway. I'm sorry. I, I, should, I gossiped and I said that awful thing about Betsy Sue to my friend Betty. And when I get home, I'll call her. Remember that, Betty, when I said that about that person? Yeah. I asked God's forgiveness. Will you forgive me too? And she's going to say, yes, Tristy. Confession, adoration, thanksgiving, and supplication. Thanksgiving, to me, adoration and thanksgiving are, are uh, almost the same. I adore him for who he is, and I thank him that his word is true. And if I don't feel forgiven, he says I'm forgiven, and I ask that he helps me believe it. And last, supplication. I like this word. It's like the price is right. Price is right word because it's like give me more. <laughs> Literally, supplication. I'm going to ask you give me more of you, Lord. I'm struggling. You know, I got a specific sin issue here. I'm struggling with it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to thank you or adore you. I'm going to uh, wait. I'm cast. I'm acting, a- axing, not casting. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to adore you. I'm going to supplicate, which means I'm going to offer up. I'm going to ask for more, and I'm going to thank you. It's a system. If you want to cast, cast, ax, it really doesn't matter. But the point is, is confession is the ultimate um, tool God has given you for growth. Not only is it a language to learn, but Brian like this, the Lord put in my mind, it's a language to learn in every relationship. Is it not? You may be great at confessing to God your sin, but did you confess to your brother? I remember one time, very clearly, my brother used to laugh at this, but the Lord would bust my chops when I was uh, at home because I, let's say we got into a little entanglement and I said, something I shouldn't have said. Well, I would, you know, turn away from this situation and leave. And then the Lord was like, okay, now you go ask forgiveness. And I was like, but I'm all, I mean, I'm like, it's like the four-year-old kid that gets blamed all the time. I'm always asking forgiveness. And the Lord's like, yes, you are. You know me. Did you sin? Yeah. Go make it right. Race to the cross. Be the first to the cross. Go. Don't give it a minute to settle inside of you. And I remember going to my brother's room. Hey, I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. I asked the Lord's forgiveness one ask your forgiveness. And he goes, Tristy, stop being so nice. Because <laughs> it was at a point where they were trying, he was trying to understand exactly what, how I was growing spiritually. Our friend Nancy Lee DeMoss, we were just talking about it a minute ago, a uh, friend and I, 
And uh, she says, be the first to race to the cross. Wouldn't it be cool if your reputation was that you were a quick forgiver? Wouldn't that be cool? They go, oh, man, she'll understand. She's, she's, she's going to quick forgive her. Not resentful, not bitter, not angry. She's quick forgive her. You know what? You'll be the best wife in America, too. <laughs> you will. You'll have a happy marriage, and you'll be a happy mommy. Application, cast, confess, adore, supplicate. Give me more, Lord. Thanksgiving. A language to learn in every relationship. And then I was telling a couple girlfriends, uh, as I prayed for y'all, and I prayed through this text, we have seen awful wickedness. Can it get any worse than this? I mean, it's like, this is David. I mean, we're not talking about Hitler. But this is pretty doggone bad. You got some adultery, some murder. It's, it's, it's beyond days of our lives, right? So this is bad. Part of you feels a little bit perturbed at David, doesn't it? Well, he kind of got off easy, Mr. Renew me, this, that, and the other. And I'm going to teach people the right way. And then I'll show them how to offer up burnt offerings and everything else. The first time I read that, I was like, who does he think he is? <laughs> Dude, look at all the bad stuff you just did. I used to do college ministry. Can you tell? Look what you just did. You're so quick to, quick to zip on out like it was no big deal. Somebody's dead because of you. Two people, actually. And you're so, so kind of moving on to the next verse. I didn't understand two things. One, that there was a timeline. There's a huge, there's a timeline in this. And when he was with Bathsheba, when Uriah died, when the baby died, when he was fasting and on his face, when he, Nathan came in and busted him, right? There's a timeline. But I believe that he really, really repented and was renewed because he believed God more than his own feelings. And I love that about David. And so for you today who's sitting there thinking, well, I've never killed anybody, you know, maybe you've struggled with adultery, maybe you've struggled with materialism, lust, mm, you know, everything in the whole wide world. (laughs) Maybe you've struggled with sin, and you're like, I'm really glad for David that he can move through so quick and, and believe God's word that he was forgiven, but I can't because you don't know what I've done, Tristy. God does. Remember? Nothing is hidden from the sun. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Very, very clearly the things that you have done in the dark will be brought to light. If not now, definitely, definitely at the judgment seat of Christ and definitely in the millennial kingdom. Guess what? It's been paid for. My friend Lanny used to say, a friend of mine confessed something to her one time. Lanny patted her on Lanny. She goes, Jesus died for that. Let's move on. Isn't that a great one? I'll tell her, talk to her about, about her today. Do you believe he forgives you of all your sin? That's your application question for tonight. Remember that 10 minutes you're going to have before you go to bed? And you're going to cast, acts, cats, whatever. You're going to confess. You're going to adore. You're going to thank. You're going to supplicate. You're going to learn a new language of confession and forgiveness with God and with your spouse and with your children maybe, with your family. That's a big one. As you do that, I want you to pray through and say, Lord, you know, all this talk about sin, do I really believe I'm clean? Am I, as David says, whiter than snow? Have, have you really done that for me? And the answer is, yes, he has. My question for you is, you, is have you received it? That stupid sin you did when you were 23. That awful thing you did at 11. 
the person that molested you at eight and you feel guilty for it. You feel like it was your fault. The horrible things that you perhaps endured. Do you believe that God, that Jesus died for that? And it's all gone. It's all gone. All of it. Jesus forgives all of our sin, past, present, future. He did not. How many of my sins were in the future when Jesus died on the cross? All of them. And guess what? All the rest are in the, I mean, there, how many more are there? I don't know, unless he lets me live 50 more years. He's probably thinking, is she done yet? You know, <laughs> He died for all your sins, it, past, present, future. He died for, and all of yours were in the future. You are clean, completely clean, whiter than snow by a blood that's scarlet and powerful. Do you believe it? And I'm, I'm going to ask you if you don't just believe it on your big issues, but do you believe it day to day? I keep messing up with my kids. Man, they're frustrating me. And so you begin to talk to yourself that way. You denigrate yourself completely. And it's like, wait a minute. Who am I in Christ? Purify me with hyssop. I should be whiter than snow. Make the bones which you have broken rejoice. Sustain me. And I begin to go back through and pray so many of these things. Your memory verse is right in front of you. Verse 10. Can anybody say it? Not Jane. <laughs> she goes, oh, you can, I know you can sing it. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That is the name of the game, honey. Understood subject is God. Create. He is constantly in the creator mode. Just because he's finished with the world in seven days doesn't mean he's done with you. Right? Right? You want a clean heart. I promise you, I've walked with the Lord 20 years, you cannot have a ma- an indwelling of the Spirit and hang on those fumes for 20 years. When I'm done teaching you, and a dreamy guy takes me to lunch, <laughs> I need a refill. Two elderly ladies approached Dwight Moody and said to him, why do you keep going on and on about the Holy Spirit? He said, because I leak. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Your memory verse is verse 8. If you want to memorize verse 10, if you're like me, I mean, your memory verse, pardon me, is creating me a clean heart. I memorize verse 8, 10, and 12. If you want all three of them, knock them out. Some days when I am blue or I'm struggling or I've heard about some horrible situation, one of our dear friends is in the hospital right now fighting a staph infection, two dear friends in the hospital right now, one my age, and I pray for him. Make, me to hear, make him to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Give him a clean heart. Give him a steadfast spirit. Restore to him the joy of your salvation. Sustain him. Sometimes you can pray that way too. But make those your memory verses. Ask yourself your question if you believe he's forgiven you of all your sin. Learn to speak in a language of confession, as we've talked about today. Next week is our last time to meet. Cindy said we're going to do Psalm 139 and 150. And it was very humorous in our, our little meeting. I was like, I don't know if I can teach all that. Carolyn goes, sure you can. So I was like, I can. <laughs> That's faith. She has to get to faith, I think. So we'll do 139 and 150. It sounds like a lot of work, but it's not for y'all. Because y'all know how to do observations, right? And now you learn the extra trick of doing paragraph titles for those parts you can't get your hands around necessarily. Do as much as you can. Can I tell you our focus next week? It's going to be a celebration. Because what's 150 about? Singing, Singing, praise. Cindy, Val, Carolyn, and I are going to send you out 
on a note of praise, you're going to leave here thinking, what's the one thing I've got in my hand to fight this spiritual battle? And we're going to praise the Lord as we walk out of here renewed, refreshed, and ready to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you love us. Thank you your word is true. Thank you for the fact that you have not left us alone. Father, I, it's so troubling to read that, that, those verses in the Old Testament. But yet, how beautiful that we can see the light is brighter when the dark is dark, the darkest. Father, thank you that you used David so very much, not just as the king of Israel, but as uh, the lover of your soul. Father, I thank you that he would not let go until you blessed him, much like Israel. Father, thank you that he recognizes his sin. He, call, he understands it, 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 it's, it's uh, the similar to leprosy. He accepts his consequences. He accepts his punishment. And yet he still calls on you to create in him a clean heart. He asks for renewal. He asks for sustaining. He asks for you to move in his heart. And then he can lead transgressors into a relationship with you. And then he can teach people how to have a right relationship in their sacrifices. Because it is not acts of service that you want, but a broken and contrite spirit. Help us learn the language of confession. Help us learn the language of forgiveness. Help us extend that to our family and our children. And if there's an issue in us tonight, Father, that we need to forgive, really believe that you've forgiven us and renewed us, I pray you'd bring it to light. Jesus, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We acknowledge your power over all the earth, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. See you next week. Love you, ladies.